Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring, Jesus is coming again. Cheer up, you pilgrims, be joyful and sing, Jesus is coming again. This is the voice of prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these modern days. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Coming again, coming again, Jesus is coming again. From our Voice of Prophecy studios in Los Angeles, California, we welcome you to this half hour of inspiration and music with the King's Heralds, Del Delker, Brad Braley, and H.M.S. Richards, the Voice of Prophecy speaker, a Seventh-day Adventist minister. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene And wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful, this my song shall ever be Oh, how marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. When with the ransomed in glory his face I at last shall see, twill be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me. Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful this my song shall ever be. Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful this my song shall ever be. Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the love of Jesus. We thank Thee for His sacrifice upon the cross. And we pray that Thou wilt bless us all as we look to Him and seek His converting power. Bless the broadcast to everyone who hears it today and all those who preach the gospel and who stand for religious freedom. In Jesus' name. of quiet rest near to the heart of God a place where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God 
Jesus, blessed Redeemer. Sent from the heart of God. Hold us who bow before thee. Near to the heart of God. Ms. Del Delker joins with the King's Heralds now in this affirmation of loyalty to the cause of Christ. I'll go where you want me to go.
that safely lay in the shelter of the fall. But one was out on the hills away, far off from the gates of gold, away on the mountains wild and thundering and up from the rocky steep there arose a glad cry to the gates of heaven rejoice I have found my sheep and the angels sang around the throne rejoice for the Lord brings back his own Rejoice, for the Lord brings back his own. Here now is H.M.S. Richards, the voice of prophecy speaker. His subject, will everybody be converted, yes or no? It surely would be a wonderful thing if everybody were converted this very day. To be converted means to be changed, to be turned around, to go in a different direction, to live a different kind of a life, to be a real Christian. And that's what the apostle commanded as we read in Acts 3, 19. Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. It is most certain that unless we do repent and do become converted, our sins will never be blotted out. In the twelfth chapter of John, verses 39 to 41, our Lord Jesus gives a description of unconverted people. He says they are people who do not believe. In other words, unbelievers. People whose eyes are blinded, whose hearts are hardened. Listen, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted. And I should heal them. So, you see, it's necessary, and why it's necessary to be converted. It's necessary to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ unto salvation. It is necessary to have our eyes open to spiritual things, our hard hearts broken, in order that we might understand and will and love God, and so be converted. And let me say right here, friends, if you have never been converted, don't put it off. God will do it for you if you ask him now, today. He'll change your whole life. It'll make everything different. A certain housemaid who had been converted was asked how she knew she was a Christian, how she knew a change had taken place in her life, because, she said, now I don't sweep the dirt under the rugs. People are not always converted in a church, sometimes in strange places, on the street, in the kitchen, in a boat, anywhere, anytime. W.E. Sangster, in his book, Let Me Come In, 
says that one evening he was on his way to preach in the city of Portsmouth when a heavy rain came up. He stopped in a doorway for protection. While he was standing there, another man came in for shelter. The minister remarked about the weather. As the conversation continued, he told the stranger where he was going, invited him to go along with him and hear him preach. He did. He was converted that very night. It was just as simple as that. And the converted man never seemed to get over the strangeness of it. He said, imagine, standing up out of the rain and then all of life being changed because of that. And that's just the way it is. You may be converted anywhere right now as you listen. But will everybody be converted? Will the world be converted? Will the church keep growing and growing until the whole world is converted, until everybody has become Christian? Will there be no more war, but only peace and goodness everywhere? Will this gradually come to pass? Now, a great many people believe it will. But what does the Holy Scripture say? First of all, we mentioned some Bible texts which have been interpreted that way. The first is Psalm 2, verse 8. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Now, we only need to read the next words. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt dash them in pieces with a, like a potter's vessel, to show that this does not refer to world conversion but to the destruction of the wicked. Next, we turn to the second chapter of Daniel. We read of the great prophetic metal and mud man, his head of gold, breast and arms of silver, sides of brass, legs of iron, feet part of iron and part of clay, which we know represented the history of the great nations of the world, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, the Roman Empire, and now the modern nations of Europe, the broken parts, the feet of clay. Coming to verse 34, we read, Thou sawest, or you kept looking, till a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, which smote the image on the feet, and break them to pieces. Then the iron, clay, brass, silver, gold were all broken to pieces together, became like the chaff, the wind blew it away, and the stone became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Now, some people say this represents the kingdom of God that will gradually grow and cover the earth. But, my friends, it has nothing in common with this idea. This prophecy doesn't because notice it says that the powers of earth are destroyed and ground into powder before this happens. We see earthly governments will be removed before the stone fills the world. That's entirely different. All right. Now, let's go on to another text. We come to a strange and beautiful promise here in Isaiah 66, 8. Who hath heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? This text is no allusion whatever to the conversion of sinners. It must refer to the resurrection of God's people in the end of time. The nations of the saved shall indeed be born, or brought forth from the grave in a day at one time, the sounding of the trumpet. In a moment, that's when Jesus comes. Then we think of other statements. Here's one in Revelation 11:15. The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. But when does that take place? Well, read verse 18. But the nations were angry. Thy wrath is come, the time of the dead that they should be judged. It's at the judgment day, not right now. Turning now to Jeremiah 31:34. 
they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest. If you read this carefully in its connection, you'll see it's a promise of the new covenant, a promise of each indiv to each individual, a promise to us now, not to the world in general, but all those who come under covenant relationship with God. In other words, who give themselves to him who are converted. But why wait, my friends, for the world to be converted if such a thing could happen? Why not be converted now and not go through the dreadful experiences of the wicked in the last days? Gypsy Smith was once holding a testimony meeting when someone got up and said, I've spent about 20 years in prison for murder, but God saved me. Another said, I've been a drunkard for 20 years, but God has saved me. Still another, I've been a coiner of counterfeit money. The Lord has saved me. Gypsy Smith arose and said, Listen, men, God has done wonders for you, but don't forget he's done even more for this gypsy boy than all of you together. He saved me before I got there. Someone says, isn't there to be a great peace movement? Don't we see it in the world today? Yes, indeed. Here it is in the prophecy of Micah 4, verse 3. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Now, in the first verses of this same chapter, we notice that it is said that the mountain of the Lord's house was to be exalted above the hills. This, no doubt, represents the influence of the church for peace in the last days. And we do see a great peace movement in the churches and among the nations, fulfilling this very prophecy. But at the very same time that this peace movement is strong in the world and millions of people desire peace, we all do certainly, the actual conditions are brought to view in Joel 3.9. Proclaim ye this among the nations, prepare war, wake up the mighty men, let all the men of war draw near, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. But is there peace among the nations? We read, evil shall go forth from nation to nation. The sword of the Lord shall devour from one end of the land even to the other. Jeremiah 25, 32. And this has certainly been fulfilled in the last hundred years. We are told exactly when it is that the day of the Lord shall come. Not world conversion. Something entirely different, my friends. Here it is. The day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace, safety, then... Sudden destruction cometh upon them. That's the warning of the apostle. But does the Bible not contain some wonderful promises of a time when the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea? Yes. Numbers 14, 21, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Matthew 5, 5, Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Isaiah 11, 9, They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now this glorious state is not brought about by the conversion of everybody. It's introduced by the destruction of sinful men, the restoration by God of the earth to its Eden condition, and the gift of immortality to the righteous of all ages. We find that in Psalm 37, 9, evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord shall inherit the earth. Read also Isaiah, the 11th chapter. 
In the beginning, after God had made man and all things, he declared it was very good. And this condition will be restored. For we read the words of God in Isaiah 65, 17, Behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. And they shall build houses and inhabit them and plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. You see, it's a real country for real people. Other wonderful promises in the book of Revelation, chapters 21 and 22. In Second Peter, the third chapter, fifth verse, we read that the old world before the flood perished in the waters, and that the world which is now is sustained by the word of God, that it is reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. That's the plan of God. According to Jesus' parable in the 13th chapter of Matthew, the wheat and the tares are to grow together until the harvest. And then, at the harvest, the great separation will take place. The apostle tells us in the words of 2 Timothy 3, In the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. And the apostle Peter says that they will scoff at the very idea of the second coming of Christ. 2 Peter 3, verse 3. And Jesus informs us, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. You'll find those words in Luke 17, 26. Business went on as usual just before the flood. They ate, they drank, they carried on social activities. The day that Noah entered the ark, the flood came and destroyed them all. Jesus said it will be the same as it was in the days of Lot. They carried on business, social activities, but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So we see that it's destruction, not conversion, that awaits the world in general. The day of destruction, the way of destruction is broad. The way of salvation narrow. Jesus said so. Straight is the gate. Narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Matthew 7, 13. But when these few out of every successive generation, from righteous Abel down to the final great explosion of the atmosphere at the second coming of Christ, when they come marching home, they will come constituting that great multitude which no man can number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues to inhabit the earth made new. Not one of them will come out of any imaginary converted world they will come out of great tribulation, but they will be arrayed in white robes. From whence came they, asks the prophet. Then he answers, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Words of Revelation 7:14. And it's our privilege, our hope, our duty to do this very thing. The world will not be converted. Everybody will not be converted. But we may be. We must be. And so enter the kingdom of God. Let us give our hearts to Christ today. Who are these beyond the chilly wave, just past the borders of the silent grave, shouting, Jesus, power to save, washed in the blood of the Lamb. 
sweeping through the gates to the new Jerusalem, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Sweeping through the gates to the new Jerusalem, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Safe, safe upon the ever-shining shore, Sin, pain, and death, and sorrow all o'er. Happy now and evermore, Washed in the blood of the Lamb. Sweeping through the gates to the new Jerusalem, Washed in the blood of the Lamb. Sweeping through the gates to the new Jerusalem, washed in the blood of the Lamb. This is Orville Iverson of the Voice of Prophecy with this appeal. Let us always be on the side of right, which is the side of God, and go forward in faith. Have faith in God and his converting power. Have faith in God. Seek now the heavenly dower. Have faith in God. This is the day, the hour. Have faith, dear friend, in God. Friends, we have a very special, a very special service that we make to our friends in Radio Land. You've heard the announcement of it from time to time, but I'd just like to add my urging to the words of Brother Iverson, our associate speaker. That is the great importance of our Bible courses. Remember, they are free, offered free to everyone in the country. We have Bible courses for young people, for adults, and they're yours for the asking. Just write to the Voice of Prophecy and say, I'd like to take the Bible course, and we'll send you all the information, the lessons, with our compliments. We hope this program has served to give you spiritual strength for the coming week, and we invite you to listen again to The Voice of Prophecy, a broadcast brought to you by The Voice of Prophecy. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.